I was sitting over and I was thinking to myself, you guys know Popeye, when he gets strong, he opens that can of spinach and drinks it up. It's like, boo. I like to take some of that little renown. Our worship team put it in the can and sometimes during the week just pop it open and just get a little bit of Sunday morning worship. Amen? I mean, it's awesome. So welcome to Pauline. If you're visiting with us, we are so glad that you're here. We hope that you feel loved and at home. Um, my name is Aaron McGuire, the student pastor here, and if you're visiting, I'm not the lead pastor. He's wiser. He's sitting down over here, but we did a rotation of the pastoral staff this month on um, bringing sermons, bringing lessons, and our hopes and our prayers to encourage each of you that you are equipped by God to do the work of the kingdom here on earth, Amen. That, that hopefully through this, you'll walk away, you'll feel more confident in knowing that God has equipped you to do the work that he has sent you to do. So if you turn your Bibles, Joshua chapter 4 is where we're going to be. That's our key passage this morning. And while you're turning there, kind of the title or the avenue I'm going this morning is you have a story. You have a story. We all have a story. And it's not a story to boast. It's not a story of, hey, we've been here, we've been there, look at me. But we have a story to show the glory of God all through it. That we are, 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 are given this opportunity, as the song we sang, to tell a story. Not just a story of the gospel of Jesus, but also a story of how the gospel of Jesus transformed and changed our lives. We are creatures who love stories. Many of you probably have some good memories of, of either being told a story, sitting down and being read a story, or some of you reading someone else's story. You could recall a memory. I recall two in my life that I hold dear, and it's both of my grandfathers. They have passed away and praised Jesus there with him for eternity, and I'll see them one day. But I loved growing up being able to sit with my each grandfather and listening to a story. On my dad's side, on the East Coast, it was all about the old days. He was a dairy farmer, so it was all about, I was not alone, I was not alone, I was not And it took me years to figure out that he was just basically saying, I have it harder than you, stop complaining, right? He told me, like, like just, just back in, of, of what America was, how it used to be, how it was different, and just hearing those really neat old stories. If you ever hop off, like it, it connects with this, but if you ever have the opportunity to go check out Ben's office over there, he would love to open the door. He is a very sociable guy. He would love to show you some art and artifacts and antiques in his office. It's really, really neat. Uh, Pastor Larry tried to get Scott and I this morning on bringing up a tool, and he's like, what do you think this is? It's a pipe cutter. We caught him. We're smarter than he thought we were, but... He's got some old things in there that tell awesome stories. And a lot of what he has in there, there's stories behind it. But then on my mom's side, on the West Coast, my grandfather was a pastor, but he was also an army vet. And so I loved listening to war stories and army stories and just patriotism oozed from his stories. And I loved just sitting there and just listening to them. Just for hours on end. It was amazing. So I know some of you have that memory of around a table of fire or just walking and just listening to a story. And one thing 
that is neat that we are creatures of stories. We're made in God's image. God is into stories too. The Bible that you hold, the Bible that we hold dear to our hearts, the Bible we read, we study, we, we, we go to for guidance. The Bible is one really big story. The main character, as much as we would like it to be, it's not us, it's God. The story is all about him and, and his glory, his sovereign power, who he is. From the beginning of creation, ending the story that is given to us in this Bible of Jesus Christ taking the throne in the new Jerusalem and reigning for eternity forever. Amen. A big, huge story from creation to the redemption given to man by and through Jesus. But the beautiful thing about the Bible is that it's one continuing story. It's an inclusive story. It's in a compelling story. And the beautiful part of the story is it's constant. And we are currently in it as it unfolds. One big story of God, but God gave man the opportunity to be characters end this story little stories weaved in and out of the big ones let me show you job chapter 1 verse 1 it says there was a man in the, there's a man in the land of Uz named job another one we see in scriptures there was a man sent from god whose name was john we find that in john 1 6 and then john 4 7 we see another story another character in god's story is a woman from samaria came to draw water. John, Job, the woman at the well, Moses, Abraham, Ruth, Esther, they're all weaved into God's big story. And I want you for a moment to take your name and input your story weaved into God's overall big story. There was fill in your name from fill in the place that you're from. And when we're talking about stories, the Bible's filled with them, but there was one story that just kind of popped in my head when I was preparing for, uh, uh, to speak this morning, and it's in Joshua 4, 1 through 11. I want to read that for you, and if you would, follow along yours, if not, on the screen. It says, when all the nation, in Joshua chapter 4, when all the nation had finished passing over the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, take 12 men from the people, from each tribe a man, and command them, saying, take 12 stones from here, out of the midst of the Jordan, from the very place where the priest's feet stood firmly, and bring them over with you, and lay them down in the place where you lodge tonight." Then Joshua called the 12 men from the people of Israel, whom he, whom he had appointed, a man, from, a man from each tribe. And Joshua said to them, Pass on before the ark of the Lord your God into the midst of the Jordan, and take up each of you a stone upon his shoulder, according to the number of the tribes of the people of Israel." that this may be a sign among you. When your children ask in time to come, what do those stones mean to you? Then you shall tell them that the waters of the Jordan were cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord. And when it passed over the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. So these stones shall be to the people of Israel a memorial forever. In verse 8, and the people of Israel did just as Joshua commanded. And took up 12 stones out of the midst of the Jordan, according to the number of tribes of the people of Israel, just as the Lord told Joshua. 
And they carried them over with them to a place where they lodged and laid them down there. And Joshua set up 12 stones in the midst of the Jordan, in the place where the feet of the priests bearing the Ark of the Covenant has stood. And they are there to this day. For the priests bearing the ark stood in the midst of the Jordan until everything was finished that the Lord commanded Joshua to tell the people according to all that Moses had commanded Joshua. The people passed over in haste. And when all the people had finished passing over the ark of the Lord and the priests passed over before the people. So we see a story in God's overall big story of a man named Joshua who was obedient to the instruction of of God. It was to grab these stones, one for each man from each tribe, take them up, put them in a place, set them, secure them. So that they can stand as a memory, they can stand as a memorial, they can stand as something that can be looked on. Now, with this one, raise your hand if you've ever heard or remember hearing the parting of the Red Sea. That's a big one. We all know that one, right? But how often is this one overlooked? It's not as big as a river. It's not as big as an event. I mean, the Israelites were running for their lives. He opens it up. Here comes the Egyptians. He closes it off. Here's a different story, but I'm going to tell you, it's just as amazing and just as important. And I hope that it will tie into this morning and and kind of just kind of like sear into your brain. So they crossed over, they put the stones, but why did God tell Joshua to put the 12 stones there? Look at verse six and seven. It says that this may be a sign among you when your children ask in time to come, what do those stones mean to you? Then you shall tell them that the 12... That the waters of the Jordan were cut off before the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord. When it passed over the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. So that these, so that those, sorry, these stones shall be to the people of Israel. Why do it, Joshua? Because when your kids and their kids and people around you say, why are those there? You can point to God's glory. Amen? That's why you did it. Now, I was trying to figure out the best way to put this and for a moment... Scott was, was laughing because I wrote in my notes that we can connect with those stones by saying we are stoned. But it, I it didn't think Scott caught that. See, I'm the kind of guy who takes my sermons to like two other pastors and be like, proofread this, make sure it's good. What I mean is this. Those stones were to others to show what God has done. Ladies and gentlemen, your story, your life is the same representation. When people look at you and say, why are you here? Why are you there? Why are you doing this? You can say, because God. Amen? Because God. Your story and the events within your story are just as these stones, conversation starters, a reminder of who and what God has done. So many think that their stories begin at the moment they meet and have a relationship with Jesus Christ. 
And that's beautiful. That's awesome. That is an important part of our life, an important event that will ever happen in our life, the greatest event that will ever happen in our personal lives. But I want to encourage you, do not neglect the time before you met Jesus. Do not do not neglect the time before you had a relationship and believed and called on the name of Jesus. Why? Because that part of your story, that part of your life is important and significant. Many of you have been able to sit down with me and kind of get my story, my history, my testimony. I was raised by beautiful parents who love God. I was drugged to church. I had, I had probably more Cheerios on Sunday mornings than any person in the history to keep me quiet. If I got too loud, I got the pop on the head. You guys know what that is? The other famous one, my earlobe, my right earlobe is a little longer than my left one because it'd get tugged on because I was talking or whichever. But I was brought to church. I sang in church. I was, I was volunteered to sing specials at revivals. Like I was always in church in and around God we prayed before we ate like all Baptists right we prayed before we went to bed we prayed in the morning we were raised with and in the presence of God and then I turned 17 I graduated high school and almost like a wild horse the gate opened up and I was gone I chased everything and everything but God I won't go into detail because I want most of you guys to still like me, and this is public live streamed. So let's just say it was very colorful with exclamation points and hashtags and all that stuff, you know? And I've had a few people say, well, Aaron, your, your story's cool. Like, you've been arrested. It's cool. You've done, you've done drugs at one point and then God moved you over here or, or you were seeking and devouring in this area of life and God picked you up and put you over here. That is so cool. It is. But I can tell you one thing. That doesn't mean if your story is not as colorful as mine, doesn't mean your story isn't just as important. Right. There's sometimes I wish when I turned 17, I graduated high school, that I actually stepped into the role that God was calling me to be in in ministry and to go do what God wanted me to do, because my life would have been a whole lot easier. I may not have looked this handsome and colorful, but hey. Some of you are like, hey, well, you know what my story is? That's exactly what it was. I went to church. I got saved at 13 or 14 or 9 or 7. I got out of high school. I went to college. I graduated. I have a job. I've been attending Pauline. I've been attending a church. I've been tithing. I've been giving. I serve. I'm here. My story really isn't as deep as yours. It's plain Jane in Monticello, Arkansas. Here's why I want to argue with you. Or put a debate, argue, whatever. Your story... If it's that, my story have a commonality. If you believe in Jesus Christ, both our stories at one point in time hit the moment we met Jesus Christ and it changed. You may feel that your story isn't as important, but it is. The before, the after, the daring, the to come, the to come 
And for those of you who may kind of be stuck on the part, well, my story is when I met Jesus Christ, I want to tell you this. When we see through scripture, your story began at the moment of conception where he knew you in your mother's womb. And then your story continued when you took your first breath. First breath isn't life. When you took your steps, when, when you were, I know everything, I know it all, teenage years. Yeah. To the moment you are now and somewhere in between, I hope and I pray you've already met Jesus. You place your faith and trust in Jesus. If not, this could be the moment where you hit that mark. But your story before Jesus matters and is important and it's powerful and it's amazing. Not to brag about you, but to brag about what God has done. Why? Let's look at Ephesians 2, 1 through 3. It says, and you were dead in the trespasses and what's that last word? Sins. In which you once walked following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work and the sons of disobedience. And look at verse three right here. Among whom we all once lived in the passions of our what? Flesh. I want, I want to hold that verse for a second. This is among whom we, what is that word? All. Among whom we all. Every single person in this room watching, viewing, live or archived. At one time, before you were saved, and if you're not saved, you lived in the passions of our flesh. Carrying out the desires of the body and the mind and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. Now here's a really good explanation on that one, ready? Before you were saved, you were enemies of God. I know that's blunt, good morning, it's not probably not what you're figuring out come to Sunday morning, they've been so, it's so, music's good, it's been good. The pastor said, I'm an enemy of God if I don't know him. If you're against God, you're an enemy of God. You were dead in your trespasses. This is your story. If you're a believer, you were dead in your trespasses. You were spiritually dead. No good thing, no good intention. Nothing could change. But look at verses four through seven in the same chapter two. But who? God. Being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the coming ages he might show the, the in, first service, I can't say it. Heather, how long have I been trying to say this word? Eight, nine, ten years? In measurable please laugh at me on that one make me feel comfortable not awkward riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus what am I trying to get it's right here we couldn't do anything we couldn't do nothing because we were seeking the pleasures of flesh we were not going towards God we were going against God but at one moment God so rich in mercy and love sent his son so that we might have the opportunity to be saved We might have the opportunity to come and call on the name of Jesus. But here's, here's my part, and this was beautiful with Pastor Ryan when he read the scripture before we started our gathering this morning. 
it's not just amazing that we're saved. That's awesome. But look at the details. We're not just redeemed and, and, and purified and called saved or redeemed sinners. No, no, listen. We are set apart. We went from evil enemy of God to sons and daughters of the living God. Then it didn't stop there. We became co-heirs with Christ. But then there's more because then we have eternity with him in the kingdom of heaven. Amen. Sometimes we forget the part. Yeah, I'm saved. Hallelujah. You're going to heaven. That's right. Good job. But sometimes we forget I was an enemy against God. And if you don't know what an enemy is, a real enemy, watch any kind of war movie, Band of Brothers or whichever, and look at what an enemy looks like. Or if you want to, go to the scriptures and look at the soldiers on the day he was crucified. Because, guys, the Romans may have hit the nails in his hands. He did it for us. We were enemies, and now we're sons and daughters. We were enemies, and now we're placed. He said a place at the table. We sit in fellowship and communion with him. Because he was rich in love and mercy, he gave his son. Our story is an impact on others. Because of how God stepped in, revived our spirit, which was dead, and gave new life. All by speaking the name of Jesus. So don't neglect the before Jesus part of your story. Don't brag it, but hold it. Share it. Tell it. Where I am now is not because of me, but because of God. Why I am not where I technically should be is not because of me, but because of God. And as you grow in spirit and as your walk with Jesus gets stronger and closer, your, your uh, uh, different chapters of your life begin to reveal. And it shows more and more and more of the God's work and God's power and God's mercy and God's love. Your story speaks to the love of God, mercy of God, grace of God, faithfulness of God, power of God. We just read it, right? I mean, uh, 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 we sang it. We love to tell the story, but we also love to tell a story of how God moved in our lives. We have a story. What do I mean by that? If somebody asks you a question, how does God change lives? We ought to be confident enough and grateful enough to say, well, let me tell you a story how God changed me. Well, it's, does, does God forgive? Let me tell you a story of where I did this or I was here and he forgave. Well, is God faithful? Well, let me tell you a story. Is God merciful? What, what do you think I'm going to say next? Let me tell you a story. Guys. Our story, we're in the South again, sorry. Y'all, our story is so important and significant because what Christ has done in us is a physical witness to other people. You want to see what God does? I can show you in the Bible. Alex, I can show you in the Bible how he spread seeds, how he healed the lepers, how, how he did this. But in front of you, talking, breathing, he took... Once again, I'm not getting details. He took from here to here. I don't know about you guys, 
But I'm kind of one of those that got like my hands on. I learned. You give me a textbook, I'm just as dumb as when I started reading it. You give me a textbook, the hammer and the nails, and let me do it, I'll get some knowledge. We had the opportunity to be empowered and given to participate in sharing our story. Now today, I really am so stoked I got to preach this day. Ha ha, Scott. Um, Because today is a special day for 10 men in our church family. Amazing day. If you don't know what's going on, I'm going to fill you in. These 10 men are about to participate in the most beautiful, in in one of the most beautiful tradition that dates all the way back to Acts chapter 6. Today, 10 men who were chosen, accepted, trained, vetted, prayed over, prayed for, are going to take the responsibility and the role of a deacon in the church. Now, some of you might be like, oh, why is that so important? Well, I'm going to tell you this. Speaking from myself, my daughter asked me, she said, Dad, well, what's, what, what's so important to having deacons? Why do we have deacons? And I wanted to give her a really good explanation. So um, I learned it in seminary, but I forgot it. So I went to read again. I went to, start t- uh, I went to start telling her, and I said, you know what? For me, reading it and understanding of the deacon role and why I was placed in there, those 10 men or the role of deacon to a pastor in a church is a massive blessing. What do I mean by that? The role of the deacon is to come in, serve the church, but a part of it is to help the pastor to be able to pastor and not worry about other things. What a, let me give you an example. Pastor Rob... Somebody comes up and says, oh, Pastor Rob, the toilet's leaking. It's flooding everywhere in the toilet. And Pastor Rob, you know, puts his cape. I got it. I'm the lead pastor. I work at it. So he starts working on the toilet because it needs to be, you know, it's, it's clogged up. But then someone comes in and says, I need to really figure out, like, I need to talk about Jesus. I, I, I want to call on him. I need, I need to know about Jesus or, or my marriage is, is, is falling or everything. But Rob's busy cleaning the toilets, fixing the toilets. You guys want to know what a deacon does? Goes in there, pats Pastor Rob on the shoulder and says, hey, tag me in. I got this. You go take care of that soul that needs you. See, the beautiful part, so many, so many bring up that role of a deacon. They put it up here. But the role of the deacon is such of a servant heart. It's amazing. So if you are one of those 10 men and you're in this room, please stand up for me. I got permission. You can stand up. I asked Pastor Rob. He told me I could. If you're one of the 10 men that are the candidate for ordination this evening, I want to, a moment, want to for a moment, I want you to listen to me. Everyone else that's sitting, don't ignore me. It's gonna, this is part for you too. But I want to talk to each of you men real quick for a moment. And I'm going to inform you that tonight at 5 o'clock when you sit and you participate in an ancient, awesome, beautiful tradition, it is not a new story. It is not where your story begins. Men, it's a new chapter of an already amazing story how God brought you from an enemy to his son into his church, now into this role to serve. Amen? Now I want you to tell us something else. Ready? Like it or not, gentlemen, 
your story is going to be read, listened, and watched by the people in this room. Now, Pauline, this is where you step in. You guys have an impact on their story. See, our stories isn't just our decisions. It's those that we surround ourselves with that pour into us. Thank you, gentlemen, for taking this role. And personally, I'm praying for you because already you guys have already been working hard, but I'm going to tell you, it's going to get harder. And I thank you for serving God and serving in his church and serving his flock. We're here as pastors just to guide you to the main shepherd, his people. Thank you. You may sit down. Now, where's Noah that was just baptized? Where's he at? Can you come on up here, bud? Do you mind? That's what I'm talking about. He ain't shy. Come on up here. And the reason I want, because I want the whole camera to see you. Like, look, ready? Smile, we're on YouTube. Right? Okay. Noah. Today was an awesome day. Was that cool? Yeah. Did you use a blow dryer? It just dried up. Okay. I wish I had that kind of hair, right? Today you got baptized. That was awesome, wasn't it? That's what I'm talking about. Cool. Okay, are you ready for this? It's not a new part of your story. It's a chapter. It's an event in your story, right? So you'll look back on this and be like, you know what? One day when you tell your kids, or you're like a grandpa telling your kids, kids, kids. I remember that time was that Pauline... And my dad dunked me underwater. The day that you publicly declare to all these people that you, are a, that you are a follower and that you love Jesus Christ, this is like Joshua and the pile of stones, the stack of stones. This is an event that when they, well, Noah, why did you get baptized? Well, let me tell you about Jesus, right? Now, where's mom and dad? Come on up here, too. I really, think, I really think he's saying amen, and I'm loving it. All right, so here's the cool thing. This is an event in your story. Mom, Dad, you now have an impact more on his story. Pauline, you have an impact and an influence on his story. But what's really cool is you have an impact and influence to help them pour into his story. You guys follow me? Our stories are our stories, but as a church family, they become blended with all of us together. If you're in church and in the group of people that God has given to you and there's discipleship and there's mentorship and it's just pouring into it later on in life, you become a little part of someone else that poured into you at your home church or other believers. So, bud, you start cheating on tests and I find out. You start telling mom and dad, I ain't cleaning the room. I'm going to come talk to you and be like, hey, remember the time you got baptized? Remember what that is? You see what I'm saying? Right? And then if mom and dad don't give you candy and chocolate and cookies, I'm going to go talk to them. Right? Okay. Y'all give him a round of applause. Thank you. Our stories matter. And I'm going to finish up like this. For some of us in this room, our stories look like this book. Young, vibrant, very pretty, property of Pauline's library. 
very nice. But for a moment, I want to talk to a different crowd that's in this room and kind of want to be a little honest with them. There may be some people in this room who feel because of their age, because of their tenure, because of their number on the birthday card each year, that they feel that their story in 2023 is obsolete, old, out of date, not valid. See, because their book looks more like these books. Binds are getting broken, frayed, ripped pages. This one's cover is looked a whole lot better than this this morning when I grabbed it. It's falling apart even more. Now it's completely off. And it's only two sermons. And some of you may feel like this. And I want to tell you something, okay? Please stop. Because it's not the outside. It's the inside. Amen? Your outside may look rigid. Your outside may look cracked. Your outside may not look hip like me this morning. <laughs> but your inside is such an impactful story. Now, Scott, Chase, Justin, Alex, Pastor Ryan, myself, Rocky, we all, we got this book right here. But I want you to look for a moment. Look at the size difference between these books. Those elders, those wise in our church family, they can take what's in here and make your book look this thick. So what does that mean? They may, we, we may have a clash of culture. We may have a clash of what we think and, and how we do, but I can tell you one thing. If we invest in one another, our stories are going to be massive. Our stories are going to be huge. Our stories are going to be impactful. So young men, young women, find those in our church, I'm not going to say old, who are wise. And open your story, take a pen, sit and listen to their guidance, counsel, and wisdom. Fill up your book. Now, vice versa. All the wise ones, be willing to sit with us youngins and pour into us when we come. Because just imagine what we could do. We're doing it. But imagine what we could do more. Amen? So I want you to take a moment as I wrap this up. I want you for a moment just to kind of, if you don't mind, bow your heads and close your eyes. I want a moment to reflect because I think often so many people are, 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 are confused or scared of how can I share the gospel in my school? How can I share the gospel at work? How can I share the gospel in my community? You know, it's only the pastors that preach and the Sunday school teachers that teach. I'm not equipped for that. And I want to tell you, yes, you are. You are given a story to proclaim and to share of what the gospel of Jesus Christ has done in your life. You may not have to use big words. You can use this simple. I was here. I was there, but now I'm here. 
I did this, but now I do this. I was this, but now I'm a son and daughter of the living God. You are equipped to do the kingdom of work. You are equipped to spread the gospel. You are equipped, equipped, equipped. Step into the role. Step into the ministry. Step into the mission. Step into the purpose that God has given to you to spread the gospel of his son until either he calls you home or he returns. And that when you stand before him, he says, I gave you an amazing story and you shared it well. Let's proclaim our stories. Let's shout it on rooftops and mountains of how God has moved in our lives. You want faithfulness? Watch what my God has done. You want to see forgiveness? Watch how my God has forgiven. You want to see blessing? Watch how my God has given, even though I do not deserve. So God, we come this morning in celebration just as you told Joshua to place the stones to be a memorial to, to, to remind the generations of what God had done in that moment with the ark and your people and the river. God, allow us to remember constantly and remind us and give us the, the courage to say we are the witness of who Christ is and how he's worked in our lives. We are living witnesses walking this earth proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ. Give us the courage to stand out and stand up and at many times look foolish, look weird, look awkward. Be the only one standing in a room with our hands risen up saying, my God saved me. My God loves, my God forgives, my God still saves. And that we are not Christians just hiding in the wall, that we share our story, that we speak the name of Jesus and the power of his name saved our lives. God, may we continue as a church to proclaim the gospel in all that we do, equipping those within our church to do it. And that we, this morning in our worship through song and active giving and scripture, that it was pleasing to your eyes and your ears this morning that we lifted your name above every other. God, we love you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.
quiet do I need am I hot now no but I am now ah whatever okay ah it's a curse um so we're we're thankful for for Noah amen we can give the Lord a hand for that one and we're we're thankful for our worship team amen And I'm thankful for Aaron and his message this morning. And 
Yeah, you can give me a hand for that. But I know something you don't know. And I love it when I know something you don't know. Ever since I was a kid, I wanted to tell things, tell things to people that they didn't know, but here's, here's something you didn't know. <clears throat> There's 10 guys going to be ordained today, and, that, and that's, that, that's huge. And you ought to give the Lord a hand for that one. That's, a, that's an incredible thing that we're going to be able to celebrate today. But, but here's the thing you don't know. Here's the thing you don't know. Today was a really special day in a huge way because today the jail opened back up and we were able to do a service at the jail today. Oh, wait. <laughs> no, don't clap yet. It gets better. Because there's somebody in here who's got a story that used to be part of that and God delivered him from that. And today, justice got to go back into the prison and preach Jesus where he used to have to stay because God changed his story. Now listen, there's a reason all that happened. Let me tell you, somebody prayed. Somebody prayed and the gates came open. Aaron and Becca prayed and Noah went into the water. Ron prayed and God used him. Aaron prayed and God gave him a message. Justice prayed and God freed him from prison and then sent him back. You need to pray. You need to pray. We need to pray. That's where the power is because Jesus is still writing stories and people don't forget stories. But that's next week's message. <clears throat> so before Ryan comes up here, let's pray. Father, write your story on our hearts and let our, let our bones burn within us till we have to share it. I thank you for your story and allowing us to be part of it. Forgive us for the times that we fail you. Be with us as we celebrate your story today. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. You guys can be seated. We'll ask our ushers to come forward, receive our tithes and our offerings. Uh, if you are new to us, whether this is your first time or your return guest and would love to connect, we would love to connect with you. But if you want to connect with us, uh, you can take a look in the bulletin. All of our, our uh, staff, their, their numbers and contact information is in there. We would love to hear, hear from you. Uh, and if, if, if you don't want to do that, you can stick around and, and just kind of pull one of us aside. Like I said, we'd love to uh, figure out a way if the Lord is leading you to come be a part of our church family or you just want to know more about our church, we would love to share that uh, with you. Uh, just a couple of quick announcements before we take up the offering. Of course, this afternoon at 5 o'clock, we'll have the uh, deacon ordination service. We'll be right here 
uh, in the gym at 5 o'clock. Uh, we'll have a reception afterwards, so we encourage you to come stay. Because of that deacon ordination, we don't have to stack the chairs after service. That'll be the deacon's first job after the ordination. We'll do it that way. Um, and then one other announcement that didn't make the bulletin, uh, Stephen asked me to pass along to you. Um, there is a team bow shoot on February the 18th, I believe. February the 18th. Uh, teams of five. It can be men, women. It can be mixed. If you're interested in that, uh, you can see Stephen or any one of the guys involved in, in that uh, ministry. But there's also a sign up there in the back over the next couple weeks. And so uh, sign up for that if that interests you. Otherwise, let's pray and then we'll collect the offering. Father, thank you for your word. We're so thankful for a place to gather and a space to honor and worship you. And we're thankful for how you are moving in and amongst us. And Father, I just pray that as, as we've uh, heard your word, Lord, that you would uh, change our hearts, Lord, that we might go out of this place and, and live lives that honor and glorify you, that tell the story of how you've changed us. And so, Father, we pray that you'd lead us and guide us and put us in places that we can be salt and light. Father, we thank you for the opportunity to give. We realize this is just a portion of what you've given to us. We pray that you're honored by it. Father, we remember those uh, close to our hearts and on our prayer list, Lord, those that need your strength and your healing and your comfort. We know that your grace is sufficient. We ask that you would pour it out uh, in every situation as you see fit. Father, we thank you for this time. We pray all these things in your name.
Hey, thank you guys for coming to worship.